Hey guys, today I've got Shauna Levy, the founder and CEO of Mage and Mercer. It's a modern apothecary brand that's directed towards ladies and the newer consumer on the market. We had a really great conversation with her. We did have a couple of technical difficulties, so we aren't going to be able to have any video-based footage for you today or have the conclusion that we wanted to have. But that being said, we still cover a lot of great information, and I still want to get this podcast out for you guys. So enjoy, and let me know what you think down in the comments below for you guys on YouTube. And for all you guys on the audio podcast, if you want to come and check out any of the video platform versions of these podcasts please go ahead and do so on the youtube channel right of the leaf but for now please dive in and enjoy and don't forget to spark up your favorite way to consume while we talk cannabis cheers y'all and i'll see you guys in the next one so who are you (laughs) (laughs) um so i'm just somebody uh, my goal is to kind of provide some education for the bud tenders and the people within the cannabis market um, and the industry as a whole that are kind of past that, well, sativa and indica aren't really a thing, like that are looking for that middle ground of information because we have a lot of hyper-scientific based information being passed out. And then we've got a lot of entry-level information being pass and I want to try and bridge those two levels on the side for the bud tenders and whatnot Uh, me personally I'm a a medical-based patient I got started after a workplace accident I was EMS for almost five years I got into a motor vehicle collision on the highway while transporting a patient ended up working on scene with my partner, the patient, everything like that for about an hour. So I had about four, four, five years of recovery and then battling for justification of my mental health and then battling for the justification for my use of cannabis for my mental health. And the biggest point that I had was I, I had experimented with cannabis twice prior to my accident and both times was after I was 21 years old. So it's not a, Oh, I see a reason for me to get high all day, every day. It's a, I smoked after my accident twice. And I was like, Oh, the pain's not gone, but it's not a factor and I can enjoy my life. Exactly. And those two things played a big decision in being slowly becoming an advocate and then it's with legalization branching out and starting about, I'd say, 18 months after my accident, it just became an opportunity for me to become an advocate along with the legalization. And then the education falls in line with my prior experience and knowledge with EMS and the medical side of things. So it's just kind of a continuation of a path I was already on. Nice, nice. And are you have you been able to go back to work or... Uh, so I haven't been able to go back to EMS. I was actually this year that came to a full head where they determined that it was a non-work related incident, um, for, yeah, there's, there's a bunch, it, it's a, quite a long story. Like I said, it was five years worth of oh my God. chaos and it, yeah, it was two and a half years of 
kind of battling with them as the actual Alberta Health Services was the company that I worked for, battling with them. And then it was about two and a half years of battling with WCB, so Worker Compensation Board in Alberta, to justify that it was a workplace accident. And because of anxiety, they, they deemed that I have general anxiety disorder because of butterflies before a big test or a hockey game. <laughs> that that was what I got told. I have general anxiety disorder. It's not a workplace-related issue. Thank you and have a good life. I got a phone call being told my last check date and go oh find work. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, but coming into the cannabis industry, it's really opened up a lot of possibilities for me. And it's a growing industry that I definitely want to try and encourage people that are on my side of the sphere where it's something traumatic is happening or something life-changing is happening. And there's benefits to utilizing cannabis, but not necessarily getting high from cannabis because there's different experiences for different people. And there's different levels of use for different people. And you can get high as well as medicate and you can do the two things separately or you can do the two things conjoined depends on what you're using it for i agree and um are you finding work in the cannabis field uh yes i actually ended up um well just recently that's come to conclusion because of a corporate buyout of my local dispensary i was almost three years it if it would have um then until September, it would have been three years working at that dispensary. Oh. Yeah, as a bud tender and then doing my kind of cannabis content creation and mm -hmm. uh, stuff along those sides for right around three years now too. Okay, and have you approached any of the cannabis media about doing some stuff for them? I haven't reached out to any of the media platforms yet. Um, Right now, I've been really focusing on just trying to get some of that education out on my own platform and have a little bit of a basis so that if I do, it's like, this is the type of approach that I want to go to. So it's definitely a thought I've had, but it's one of those things where having a little bit of a base gives at least an idea of what I can sure. provide, right? Because yeah. actually, I mean, what would be even more interesting than cannabis media from my perspective, I mean, everyone talks about stigma and like, my biggest criticism of like the cannabis um, expos and shows is that it's like, it's like everyone just, uh, what's the expression? Talking to their navel. Like, it's like everyone is already part of the industry. Like yeah. they're not the ones we need to work with to destigmatize cannabis. Like cannabis discussions should be happening in the wellness space, should be happening in different mainstream a mainstream may not be the right word, but just non-cannabis um, environments because that's the way we're going to destigmatize it and normalize it, as opposed to just speaking at a cannabis conference. So, um, so maybe there's like media you can be speaking to. Hey. Sorry about that. Okay. So. Let's uh, actually dive in and talk about your company a little bit and exactly yeah. what you guys do. Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, my story is a little similar to yours in that um, I started to use cannabis to manage pain. 
Um, I have a chronic uh, pelvic pain condition that I developed about eight years ago and uh, it was undiagnosed and uh, I was sent to many doctors who put me on many medications and uh, went through many treatments and therapies and you name it, I tried it from magnet therapy to you know Chinese herbal medicine and everything in between. And um, including, of course, um, you know, prescription drugs like hydromorphone and so forth. And everything had either horrible side effects or uh, just didn't help at all. And someone had suggested cannabis and I hadn't actually touched cannabis since I was, you know, for about over 20 years. And when I did use it, when I was in my early, you know, early twenties, late teens, I was, it made me extremely paranoid. And so I just didn't want to go back there. Plus I have a teenage daughter. I, you know, have a career, I work and um, I, I couldn't be high all day. And this was right before it was um, legal recreationally. It was legal um, medically. And uh, someone said to me that I could try their different formats and I had no idea. I went to a clinic and um, started this whole process of um, experimentation and trial and error with the doctor until I found something that was right. And, uh, you know, had a lot of mishaps along the way and found myself high in the most inopportune moments. Um, and then finally, you know, found the right, the right combination, which was a high CBD microdose THC uh, oil. But the problem with it was that it was disgusting. I tasted like weed water and I just didn't want to drink it or eat it. And so, um, but I did. And, um, and actually it was the only thing that allowed me, as you said earlier in our discussion, um, allowed me, it didn't, it didn't solve the source of the pain, but it put the pain in the background and it allowed me to actually function and do what I needed to do. And so that was, and there were no side effects. So that was, you know, an amazing discovery. And I'm uh, in my early fifties and I met so many women uh, at the time who were 40 and over, who were going through all kinds of changes in life, uh, primarily hormonally induced. I mean, as women get older we start to change and evolve and our hormones change causing all kinds of havoc in our bodies. And, um, and something that no one really talks about, and we're kind of often, I think, about Gen X women as the forgotten uh, demographic. And certainly I found that to be the case with cannabis, because here are all these women who uh, were suffering from sleep challenges, chronic pain, inflammation, stress, anxiety. And each time I said, you should try cannabis, they were like, no, I haven't used it in over 20 years. When I did, it got me really paranoid. Like it was the same story over and over. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity here to really help women and create an opportunity for them to manage their challenges um, with a natural plant. And yet they're so afraid to do so. And there's so much stigma associated with it. And uh, so I thought there's definitely an opportunity here to, um, to create a product for them and for us. And so that was the beginning of it. And um, I set my sights on working on it when I was uh, during the first pandemic. My background clearly wasn't in cannabis. It was actually in design. I co-founded a major design show in Canada called the Interior Design Show that's in Toronto and Vancouver. Um, I also was the CEO of a design museum here in Toronto called Design Exchange. And I worked with people like from 
Pharrell Williams and Kristen Louboutin to the United Nations and governments and multinational brands and so forth. And, um, and it was really my pain that, you know, encouraged me and, um, you know, uh, motivated me to, to create Imagine Mercer. And so we basically are a brand that creates, uh, we call ourselves a women's wellness brand. Uh, I actually don't ever, when people say, ask me what I do, I actually say I, I have a women's wellness brand that uses cannabis as the main uh, active ingredient, because I don't think that when we talk about the destigmatization, I think it all starts with the language that we use and how we position it. And, and as we were speaking about earlier, where we speak about it. And I think that for me, you know, cannabis was the ingredient that did it for me. But it's not that I woke up one morning and said, oh, the cannabis industry is going to make lots of money and I want to get in there and make lots of money. It was more that, oh, my God, here's an ingredient that really helped me. And how can I help other women uh, feel better? And so all of our products are high CBD with a microdose of THC, uh, all natural ingredients, natural plants and seed based oils. Um, and all of our ingredients are very functional. We call them hardworking so that, um, for example, one of uh, the things that we learned in our research was that women who are using cannabis for wellness purposes, so they're using it every day, it has to be integrated into their self-care toolkit, if you will. They don't like the taste of cannabis. They don't want that weed water taste. And so we mask the, the taste and the scent of cannabis within all of our products and lots of other fun stuff too. <laughs> Well, that's, that's awesome. And it really seems like, um, well, even with like that first little bit that we were talking about, and especially when you're describing your company, a lot of, um, a lot of the misconception that I definitely have been trying to battle is people think that you have to get high to experience cannabis. And it's like, there's actually, I look at it like there's two different levels. There's Medicaid and then there's high. You can be medicated where, yeah, some people, like someone like me, I do need that little bit of the THC to help give a slight disassociation for the pain if it's a muscle or a nerve-based pain in my back. There's other times where I need it for that dissociation for the gut-based pain because CBD doesn't have the immediate effect that THC does. However, CBD is something that medicates for over a length of time. Like your body can uptake it over 48 hours. Yeah. So like there's huge long-term benefits to it, but it's consistent uptake to maintain that effect as well. Yeah. I actually recently learned that um, it's suggested not to have more than 70 milligrams of CBD a day um, because of the impact on your kidneys or your liver, I guess it'd be your liver. Um, but it, do you know the answer to that? I was just going to say, I think it would depend on the way that it's yeah. produced because both are a digesting system, right? Like, cause your kidneys clean out your blood system and that's where I could see it playing a factor, but your liver is also a processing agent. So it, I'm not a hundred percent sure of it, but. But one overall, of the, two. the point though, is that you can have up to 70 milligrams of CBD a day and you shouldn't have any health, there should be no health issues to it. But to your point, yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, I use, I use cannabis every day for my pain to manage my pain. And, um, you know, I use a high, I use our lemongrass ginger oil, for example. And, 
um, you know, that product has uh, 30 milligrams of uh, CBD per mil and two milligrams of THC per mil. So, and I'm not taking a full mil, I'm taking like, you know, probably 0.3. And so I'm not high from it, but it allows me to function. It puts that pain in the back of my head. So, and we call it La Calma because it's about creating that calm so that you can get to work and you can focus and do what you need to do. And so often, as you've said, women will say, yeah, but I don't want to get high. And I'm like, well, you won't get high. Like, sure, if you take enough of it, you will. Um, and as we know, every body is different and, and how we process it at different times of the day is different. And there's a lot of trial and error that has to happen. But as a rule, I mean, if you're taking moderate amounts of a high CBD product with a little bit of THC, you shouldn't be getting high from it. Um, and that's, you know, that's the idea with our product. It's really about helping women uh, feel better and, you know, be able to function and do what they need to do, whether it's for their career or with their children. We, you know, we talk a lot about this age group as being the sandwich generation. I mean, someone like myself, I have aging parents, I have a teenage daughter. So you're constantly being torn between both of those. Plus I have a career. You know, I have <laughs> that puppy I just talked about, you know, there's a lot going on. So you need to be, I need to be able to function. I, I can't be high, but I need to function. And that's where, that's where a CBD cannabis product comes in. Exactly. And it's, it, if we can kind of open up the mentality of there's more of a focus towards that medicated approach, even if it's just the day-to-day -day for arthritic based pain, which is something that is very common. And it's the encouragement of use of topicals for that. And that's step one, because it's, well, you can see the, um, not necessarily immediate effect, but you can see a rapid effect of the cannabinoid benefit, but you're not having to worry about that activated high. And then that opens the conversation for oils like yours, where it's low micro level THC, higher C and higher CBD, right? Like there's definitely entries into the market that need to be made because there's so many benefits just for a higher productivity of your day-to-day -day life because you're not dealing with that kind of aches and pains. That's right. And, and for those people out there who do have chronic pain, I'm sorry, because it's just the worst and it's very lonely and isolating. And when you're in extreme pain, you can't even think about anything else. I mean, you're completely, your brain is completely consumed with the pain. And so uh, to have something that gives you that relief and not have side effects. I mean, if you take a, you know, a, a painkiller like hydromorphone has horrible side effects, including constipation. And, you know, we've talked about IBD and um, IBS. And if you have pain arising from gut issues and you're taking hydromorphone that's constipating you, well, <laughs> you've just multiplied your pain exponentially. So whereas something like cannabis doesn't have that kind of um, side effect. I mean, you know, there are, of course, clinics where you can go, where people can go to speak to doctors if they're feeling insecure or scared about experimenting on their own. And I actually found that quite helpful in the beginning because to me it provided that, those guardrails and it provided me that sense of security because again, being something I knew, I, I didn't know what CBD was, didn't know what THC was, I, I, I didn't know anything. 
So to walk in, for someone to walk into a cannabis store and not know anything, especially a woman who's in her 40s or 50s, and most of the people working there are young guys, and you know they're coming in for like endometriosis pain or like menstrual pain. I mean, that's a pretty embarrassing conversation to have to have. So um, I'd say either, you know, and I know there are a lot more women working in stores now, which is amazing. And I love seeing the women in the shops for sure. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a process to get women to feel comfortable talking about those conversations, having those conversations. Yeah, actually, um, something that over the last two or three podcasts, it's kind of been a question that's been building up and it's like, would, with this topic, it's perfect person to ask, um, would you like to see on the market kind of a next step to the bud tender where you could, I'm just going to refer to it as like a cannabis consultant to where they have that next level of knowledge. They're, they're talking to you and getting direct information and then they can provide that directly to the consumer. And it's for people who they're not going in for, I want to get high. It's I'm looking for this relief for this issue. And it's, they have the additional training. So it, we're not necessarily restricted by the provincial bodies and we're not directly correlated with a dispensary so we're not selling a product but we're consulting for yeah, a consumer I mean, would you like to see something like that well i think there should be some hybrid model where um there would be a nurse practitioner or someone who has medical experience that can that can be available in a in a store i mean the challenge right now is like i assume that most stores just don't have the budget to be paying nurse practitioners and so forth. But I do think there is room for that. I mean, certainly, you know, if you use the medical platform, use a medical platform, then, you know, you're hooked up with a, a medical professional that you can have a video conversation with them and then you can go right away to the medical platform and order your product. So that is like a, you know, that is a way in which to do it. But I, but I do think having I think the first step really is the um, the differentiation or the seg market segmentation of stores. So I think one of the biggest challenges right now is because the market is so competitive and there are so many stores in particular in Ontario and Alberta, what you're seeing is that stores are worried about losing market share. And so what they do is instead of saying, okay, I am going to stay in my lane, I am going to be a wellness shop like come high hell or water, high hell, whatever the expression is, I am going to stick with it. I'm going to stay in my lane and I'm going to stick with it. And I'm going to go all in. I'm going to stock all the best CBD products out there. And I'm going to just lean in to the wellness. Instead, what they say is, well, yeah, but what if someone comes in and they want like high THC products? So we should have something for them. What if someone comes in and they want it, they want, you know, they, they're, they're a dabber and they want it, you know, they want product for that. So I should get something for that. So now all of a sudden it's become this complete mess of product that has nothing to do with each other. And again, you're really appealing to this, you know, demographic that really could go into any store. And at the end of the day, for the most part, you know, it becomes a competition around pricing as opposed to, you know, I am staying in my lane. I'm this kind of shop. And if someone wants an expert curate, curated selection of product that deals with that, they'll come to me. 
And, and that actually, in the beginning, when I first started working on Magic Mercer, I did have the idea of doing a store, but then COVID happened right away. And I thought, I'm going to sit this out for a bit and see where things go. And I also felt that I could maybe make more inroads and help more women by having product developed that really, um, that really addressed the market needs. But I do think there's room for that. And I do think that there's room for a retail environment, as you've said, that has that kind of um, medical extension to it. Um, that, and that is, you know, very much wellness focus. I mean, you, you say medicated, I actually refer to it more as wellness versus medicated, but I think it's probably the same. We're talking about the same thing, really. Yeah, the, the same, same kind of end goal yeah. for for what you're going for yeah and, and even just where i was looking at it was because the variety of products on the market too is it's if you're new to the market there's so much available like if you go onto the ocs it is a massive menu totally. almost needing consultant on that side to where it's like okay what type of products are you looking for well the biggest challenge is that you can't give medical advice. You can't give dosing advice. You can't talk about medical benefits or health benefits. So that, you know, that's, that's a big challenge in terms of, you know, the recreational side, which is what, you know, products like mine fit into right now. They fit under recreational, which, you know, <laughs> your viewers, listeners can't see me, but I'm like sort of shaking my head. Like, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but that's where the market is right now. And we have to also accept that, the market is still relatively young. I mean, it's only been legal for what, four years now, three, four years. So, I mean, we're still going through the growing pains of a new industry, but definitely there's an opportunity there. Oh, and it's, and it's, there's so, so many companies that are like yours that are up and coming that aim for that more wellness, well being, just overall life improvement is really kind of the category that it should fall under because it's not looking to give you that high it's not going to that medicated level like you're saying but it's more the wellness and just life improvement category to where you can get through and actually have a productive full day yeah because of because of you know what we do i mean we do a lot of we call it edutainment events where we um Talk, speak to groups of women um, about um, the endocannabinoid system and how it works and why you need that little bit of THC. And we talk about, you know, give some education around terpenes. I mean, these are really, again, net new users. And so we really get into the basics. And then we talk about, I talk about my journey and the products. And, um, and we find that, you know, that's like, that really works because they feel like they're being spoken to in a safe environment from someone who is going through what they're going through and can relate to them and they feel the authenticity. And, um, and so I find that works really well. And we've started to do that with some stores too. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a process, but I think that the interest is there. It just has to be um, delivered in the right way, but we always have to be very careful, like not to make health, you know, health claims or medical claims. And, you know, that's, that's unfortunate because I have women coming up to me all the time because of the nature of my pain and what I talk about, like, 
you know, every time a woman comes up to me or I get messages all the time from women saying, I have endometriosis. I don't know what to do. Like I'm in so much pain. What do you recommend? Like, and I've been really fortunate that some really influential women have actually posted on their own stories in Instagram about um, using some of our products for that kind of pain. And so that's been great because I'm not saying it, I'm not making a health claim or medical claim, but others are. Mm -hmm. And um, so that helps, but yeah, it's tough when you can't, when you're very limited by what you can say. Well, that's kind of the biggest battle when it comes to marketing the oils and the topicals and the, like Atlas has a transdermal patch. These are all things that are more that wellness, well-being. You need to be able to talk about how the active ingredient is activating your systems. If you can't right. talk about that, there's there's really no market share for it for the new consumers who are coming in to learn. And the new consumers who are coming in to learn, if you can't talk about the most important properties. Right, the actives. I mean, we you know we we point them to our research. Um, we have a website called madgelove.com, uh, which is all, it's a, it's a wellness blog and it's all uh, different wellness um, topics related to women. But um, we do talk about cannabis a lot on it. And um, we also have links to all the research that we've used to, uh, you know, create our brand and our products. So we, we try to point to that a lot. We also have interviews with um, Dr. Marnie Brooks, who is a, a, a cannabis doctor um, here in Toronto. Um, and uh, she also has a lot of um, experience in addiction uh, as well. So she's she's quite incredible. And so we have an interview with her where she actually talks about dosage because she can, because she's a medical doctor. So she just talks about in general, if you're using a CBD oil and talks about the dosage. So. We try to get around it in that way. Like we really look to medical professionals to give to give the advice or the or the health or medical benefit, and we you know point to research by experts in the field, um, so that we personally aren't making those those claims. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do that, of course. But that's that's the game that we're playing in right now. So we got to play by the rules. Well, at least it gives you some ground to showcase the the benefits of the products that you're putting out there mm -hmm. are you finding that there's um, a specific product that really goes well with brand new users like over the other ones or are they pretty well currently we have we have th only three products in market um but we by the end of the year we'll have seven. Oh wow yeah, so that's exciting for us. I mean, it still doesn't compare to the big guys and girls, but well, big guys primarily. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, but for us, it's it's exciting. Um, we have like the two the two one product is the La Calma, the lemongrass ginger oil. The second is called El Alivio Menta, which means mint relief in Spanish. All of our names are derivatives of Latin of Latin. So in languages that are Latin languages coming from the whole apothecary um, angle of our brand. And uh, the third one is, an, is called emollient, which in French means uh, moisture, moisturing or moisture. So, uh, and it's a facial serum. Um, the facial serum is an easy one. I mean, for, for, for people who are, you know, uncomfortable with cannabis, it's a hard one in terms of, um, 
you know, the distribution because it isn't an obvious for a woman to walk into a cannabis store to find an incredible skincare product. So that, you know, that one has its own set of challenges that we're working through right now. Um, and, and also in terms of bud tenders, because they can't make claims, it's uh, then, you know, it is again challenging, but the way to get around that is to talk about the other ingredients. Like we work with a very well-known dermatologist, Dr. Sandy Scott Nicky, her expertise is in skin allergies and skin sensitivity. So all the ingredients in there are, you know, we stay away from essential oils, which are a problem for many people. And we have all natural plant and seed-based oils that are known to help with things like inflammation and redness and puffiness and dryness. So, you know, that is a way of getting around it. We haven't specifically made any claim around the cannabis, but in general, we're talking about the formulation that she's created um, that has those kinds of benefits. The, um, the oil is very popular because for a lot of women, especially those who are um, older, and I'm talking, you know, like 70s, that we have customers that we know that are in their 80s that are using it for sleep. Uh, women who have told us that they've never slept as well in their life as they sleep now. Um, I guess I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really, we talk about the, you know, the fact that it's lemongrass and ginger. Lemongrass and ginger are known anti-inflammatories. They also mask the, the smell of the and taste of the cannabis. Um, so, and we call it la calma. And la calma means calm in Spanish. So, you know, that to me, conveys to the customer what, what the product is all about without making any claims. Uh, similarly, our Olivia Menta, which is a CBD disposable vape that's menthol eucalyptus, it's a four to one CBD THC. And that one, everyone loves because it, it's really cool. It's a very design forward piece. It looks like cosmetic. You can throw it into your cosmetic case or put it on your bedside table, slip it into your pocket. It feels very discreet. Um, and you know, you can take a few hits of it. It doesn't create a ton of smoke. It tastes good. Like it's, it's a very easy one in terms of a first step into, into cannabis and, it, and it's immediate, right? Because it's a, it, you're, you're inhaling it and it's not going through your digestive system. So it does provide that instant relief. Um, so we always, we always call it the 3am club, which are women who wake up at 3 a.m. and can't fall back asleep. So we always say this is great for the 3 a.m. club. So, you know, there are ways of talking about it, again, without making claims harder and more like more challenging, of course, but there are ways, there are ways definitely to do it. And we try to convey the, that messaging to our bartenders that work with our products as well. Yeah, that, well, it definitely helps when you can get, like you were saying, that 3 a.m. club where it's a little bit more of a recognizable thing across a group of people. It, it'll start selling itself. Yeah. So are you guys aiming for more of the oil-based product with the new ones coming out or are you going to be kind of um, spreading well, we across to, the market? Yeah, we're launching a, a series called Apothecarts, which is riffing off of apothecary, of course, and cartridges. Um, and so they're uh, intentionally or purposefully um, formulated uh, 510 thread cartridges. Um, and the first one that's coming out uh, in August is called Bon Nuit. And nice. it has uh, CBD, THC, and CBN. So I don't know if you really need to say much more about that as a butt tender. I mean, to me, if you say it's Bon Nuit, oh, do you know what Bon Nuit means in French? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there you go. Um, and then, um, and we also have some great sedating kinds of 
terpenes in there, like our sedating effect, like uh, myrcene and norolidol. And then we have a, um, another apothecary coming out in the fall, which is called Serene. And there's CBD, uh, THC, and CBG in that one. So again, I mean, you know, people will ask, what does CBG do? Well, CBG, you know, does give you, it's relaxing, but it gives you that sense of alertness. And what I always say, it's a perfect product for when you come home from work, but you have plans for the evening. So you don't want to, you don't want to crash and fall asleep, but you want to relax, but you also want to, you know, be able to be ready for your evening plans. Um, we have some other, uh, topical beauty products coming out and we also have a, a really interesting product coming out that I can't talk about yet but it is does rely on an IP uh, like a patented uh, technology that um, I think will be really well received and people will be really excited about that is also a CBD product yeah that's nice it seems well at least in Alberta it seemed like we lost the interest for the CBD products for a little while in between that two kind of major shutdowns of COVID. And then once the second wave came through and we got about halfway through there, the interest in just pure CBD products started to climb. And it was really interesting because it almost seemed like the amount of people who just quit cold Turkey and had to go back to work, realized that they mm -hmm. didn't like that cold Turkey quit and they wanted right. to see if they could have more of that transition. So with everything opening back up the second time around, the amount of CBD products that were available and the interest were not comparable. We've got a huge interest now, which I was very surprised to see. Interesting. And really the beverages were the only side of the market that really expanded quite wide with the balance-based experience. Yeah, I love the beverages. I think, I mean, the beverages for me are my <laughs> recreational product. They're not really my wellness product. Like I, like I prefer to have a cannabis beverage than, than alcohol um, or a gummy and a gin and tonic. <laughs> but that, you know, that's for my recreational kind of, you know, evening. It's not for my wellness. Like you were saying earlier, you could use both for two different purposes. And that's really... That's exactly what I do. I mean, I'm, I live on high CBD, low dose THC all day, but if I'm hanging out with friends or my husband and we want to like party or whatever, then that's when, you know, the gummies come out or um, drinks. Well, and the, and the nice thing with that is since you already are utilizing the higher dose CBD, what a lot of people don't understand is if you start utilizing CBD on an everyday based experience, your THC highs, are way more enjoyable. Yes. They're not going to be as spike and crash. Like I, I, the best way I describe it is you don't get that peak high that you get with out the CBD involved, but that it's more of like a nice, easy climb up. And then that top range lasts way longer. Ends it. Yeah. And then it comes down nice and easy. You well, don't like the one-to-one -one gummies I find like good for that reason too. Like I actually way prefer them to just like straight THC and no CBD. I like the one-to-ones for that purpose too. And like for me, my personally, my edible dosage to actually get a high based effect is, is ridiculously high. My tolerance is ridiculously high, but <laughs> I can have like a green monkey where it's 
three milligrams of THC, six milligrams of CBD, and I can feel the effect. Really? Interesting. But it's the CBD-based effect. I always save my CBD for an evening before bed, and it's just, it's almost ingrained into my body now where it's like, okay, that dose of CBD means we're relaxing, we're easing, it's the end of the day, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. Where I could drink those 10 milligram THC cans all day, like, People who drink beer all day on a farm working, I could drink those cans all day and not have an issue with it. And oh it's... I'd be passed out. <laughs> it would just be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. I have a very, very low tolerance for THC. So, yeah. But, like, I still, even after all these years and all the different strains that are out, and I still can't smoke it. I still get paranoid if I smoke it. I don't know what it is, but if I smoke, I'm paranoid. So... I, I have to, like, that's why I love that there's gummies and there's drinks and there's different options for it now than, uh, than just smoking it. Well, and there, and it's, and the biggest thing is different ways of consuming your body uptakes it at a different rate, at a different percentage, at yeah. like everything is on such a variable rate. And yeah. as soon as you change the strain or the way that it was processed, every number you have from that previous is up in the air because it's going to be a little bit different and it could be minor changes, but it's going to be different. And that's the biggest thing that low and slow and experimenting. And if you find something that you don't like, it might take you a couple of tries or it might take you a dozen tries to find the product that actually provides you with the effect you're looking for. And then find it. So like you were saying, it tastes good and it actually has the the experience when you're utilizing it to make you want to go out and use it. So like it's it sounds like you're definitely providing a product like that for women who are entering into the industry. And now the battle is getting the information out there That's for those right. women. Yeah, that's right. And that's why we do so many grassroots events and parties and we partner with different media and different types of, we basically go where our customers are and we create opportunities where they are. Um, We always say in their natural habitat, um, as opposed to sitting in a store and expecting them to come in. We need to push them to go to the stores. We need to push them to go onto OCS.ca. They're not going on their own. So we need to encourage them to to go do you have any events planned or anything big coming up well we just did this week this week we just did um two events we did um one event with um actually the pr firm that we work with they hosted an event in their studio uh for their friends so we had about i don't know 30 35 women um and we, I did my talk with them about, um, as I was mentioning earlier, about you know endocannabinoid system and why I use it and what it did for me and so on. And then um, we, uh, and we always partner with a retail store so that um, they can order the product direct from the stores right afterwards. And then we um, also did an event last night with a store with Miss Jones. Um, in Toronto, and uh, we did. We partnered with a um, 
I guess you can call them influencers or not really influencers, actually not influencers, they're media. And they, um, they, they're called the Rebel Mama and they, they speak to, they have a great following of um, what we call yummy mummies, so young moms. And um, so they brought in probably around 30 women. And again, we did that kind of talk and we worked with Miss Jones and, uh, and Miss Jones sold our product. So, um, so those both went really well and we're doing some stuff with um, some ladies golf days this summer and we're doing some stuff in cottage country. So uh, again, really working and then working with like-minded brands who um, aren't necessarily, some cannabis brands we're working with like the event Miss Jones, we work with Lana and with uh, Trust. Um, but we also work with non-cannabis brands too. Like we worked with a beverage company called Barbette, which is non-alcohol. So yeah, so we do different kinds of events like that, working with like-minded brands. It's definitely nice when you can reach out and have that kind of cross collaboration where it's, here's an option for non-alcoholic beverage and here's your wellness product. That's definitely a for the primary consumer you're aiming to get. It'll be a really interesting approach that way because yeah. it's almost like you're going for the people who aren't interested in the wine nights. They want that alternative option. Yeah, totally. Agreed. Agreed. Because like, and thinking about it, wine nights would almost be an amazing opportunity to branch in there, but it would be such a hard correlation to, to make happen to where you can be talking about it in that educational and informative sense and have the uptake go in there like it, it would have to be properly advertised to get the right kind of consumer there so that they're there to learn about the product not there mm -hmm. for the alcohol because that's right <laughs> there's yeah. give and take when you think about that one yeah no we you mean the event that we did in the store was, yeah was like the one the one that you partnered up with the, the beverage company they're not I thinking, yeah i was just thinking now that, that's a great okay. option for people who are, are not right 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 yeah but the wine would be if you had the opportunity to go on that side there's yeah. benefits to it for access to a larger population but there's difficulties within narrowing to that kind of niche group within that population right but also you don't really want to encourage no and cannabis consumption together. I mean, I just talked about my gin and tonic and my gummy, so <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying that, um, but you don't really want to encourage that because, no. you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. It, all, it all depends on perception, right? Like that's the biggest thing. And with how sensitive the stigma is around the cannabis industry, industry perception is a big battle because on one side, we've got the heavy consumers who are just bong toke heavy dabs, like they're do uploading that content. And then there's someone like me who's kind of in the bridge of the two where I don't mind uploading content like that because I know there's a consumer base for it. But at the same time, I'm focused on doing content like this, which is providing the education for both the new consumer and the people who are wanting to be more informed and educated on it. Yeah. And then there's people like you who are a little bit more just pure education and product knowledge. Yeah. And the, like my group and your group is the one that 
definitely needs to have the forefront and the focus provided to, but it doesn't have the clickbait worthy tap of <laughs> the other one. Cause it, you could definitely get a little bit of that reefer madness clickbait oh, and you've got a, a big cloud of smoke coming out of somebody's mouth and the right kind of title. And that's, that's the stigma that we're battling right now. And it's making it difficult for products and companies like you to really get out there on the day-to-day -day talk. Totally. That's totally it. And, you know, and then also, or you get an article in the paper that some kid, or you hear in the news that some kid like had a gummy and had to go to the hospital and was sick. And, but meanwhile, it was, you know, an illegal gummy that they found and, and, but then it, yeah, sorry. So no I, I was saying that, um, you know, you, you know, you'll see something in the media about a kid who has, you know, eaten a gummy and um, ends up in the hospital, and, and and then of course the gummy is, you know, an illegal gummy. It's not a it's not a regulated product, and um, but then that throws shade on the whole industry. So then it becomes, you know, uh, you know, a negative story for the cannabis industry at large. So. You know, there, there's a lot of that that happens. And um, I just was seeing on, I saw some discussion on LinkedIn this week about um, someone was arguing the increase in use, that there's an increase in the usage among um, teenagers. But there's all this other data and that hasn't been incorporated into that statistic or into that story. So it's very skewed and one-sided because the reality is um, from what I've learned, um, it hasn't increased consumption of cannabis for underage, um, like teenagers and so forth. But, you know, but it depends on what kind of data you're looking at and the variables that you're looking at. Like it's, you know, everyone skews the data to tell the story they want to tell. Well, exactly. And one of the biggest misconceptions that there is, is the refraining education on teenagers and adolescents is, how we keep them from consuming it's the taboo is an encouragement it's, it's not it's it's not nothing other than an encouragement oh yeah. i i shouldn't be doing that that's right. the excitement's there to go and chase it down and have it right like my so my daughter is 17 she is graduating next week um from high school and um she's very knowledgeable about cannabis because you know, I work from home and she hears everything I'm doing all the time. And she can explain everything to anyone, like about CBD and THC and, you know, the endocannabinoid system, you, you name it. Um, has she has she used cannabis? Yes, she actually told me the other day that she did, she did smoke a couple of times. Um, but she said it wasn't really for her. She said it didn't really do anything for her. It wasn't really for her. I mean, I'm sure it's not the end. I'm sure she'll probably experiment again. Um, but because it's so open, I believe that she tried it, you know, like it's similarly, we're vegetarian, but when she was about 11, I think I said to her, listen, if you want to eat meat, that's your prerogative. Like you can eat meat. I don't, I've chosen not to eat meat. And up until this point, I took that responsibility. I was responsible, I took that responsibility for you because you didn't know better. And I felt that was in your best interest, but now you can make that decision yourself. You can go eat meat. And she was at someone's house and she tried a piece of meat and she thought it was absolutely disgusting and she never touched it again. 
Had I said, you can't touch me, don't go near me, like da da da, then I'm sure she would have wanted to try it even more. And who knows, maybe she'd be eating it today. It's the same thing as you, like you say, you tell a kid they can't do something versus, you know, giving them the knowledge and the tools to create those, you know, you, you've created boundaries, but you've also given them the knowledge and tools to go beyond if they want, but they're not going to like crazily go beyond it because they've been, they've been made aware and exposed to it. So the education has, the education is key. Just key. And, and there's, and there should be, oh, I've got my dog going off that. I'm just going to close the door. We should be able to solve it quick. Um, but as you were saying, like, if we took that approach towards everything, like alcohol, any of the illicit drugs, it'd be very easy if you had the, if you utilize it, here's the outcome. And you just progressively showcased the outcome. When they're 15 years old, they don't need to see end stage chronic drug use. When you're 17 and 18, it doesn't hurt to go and help out at a rehab center if you have the ability where you could go and actually benefit with the interaction and then you have the conversation. And then yeah. there's benefits across the board because not only are the kids getting the firsthand education, the rehab has the interaction. And of course, there's you have to do it safely so that it's where you're not worried about a, a, a hazardous situation, but enough enough of an uncomfortable situation to where it's ingrained in the memory because yeah. that yeah. could turn one or two of those kids away from, yeah, let's give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Agreed. And it's just conversations that would do it. Agreed. Like it's, it's that, that kind of first hand, but I'm holding your hand approach is when it comes to this industry is really the best way that we're going to be able to, to expand it. And it seems like that's the best way to expand a lot of our, a lot of the difficulties we have. You just need to go and experience it and talk or talk to people who have first hand. Yeah. Agreed. Cause like the people like me and you who have become advocates because of the outcome and the overall change in our life that cannabis has provided the frustration where it's like you guys just don't understand that once you experience the difference 